Section 9 of the Sikh Religion, Its Gurus, Sacred Writings and Authors, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Sikh Religion, Its Gurus, Sacred Writings and Authors, Volume 3, by Max Arthur McAuliffe. Life of Guru Arjan, Chapter 8 a deputation of sikhs came to the guru from kashmir and represented to him that the pandits of that country had advised them to discontinue the reading of the guru's hymns and turn their attention to sanskrit sacred compositions and hindu worship otherwise they would have no communication with them they therefore prayed the guru to send a competent sikh to kashmir to silence the pandits and extend the guru's faith in that direction the guru accordingly sent madho on that important errand he commissioned him to instruct the kashmiris to rise before day perform their ablutions repeat and sing the guru's hymns associate with holy men observe the guru's anniversaries distribute sacred food give a tithe of their earnings to the Sikh cause, share their food with others, speak civilly, live humbly, and adopt the other rules and observances of the Sikhs. Numerous stories are told by the author of the Suraj Parkash to illustrate the miraculous power and teachings of the Guru. A Sikh called Tiloka, an officer in the Kabul army, had thoughtlessly killed a female deer on opening the animal two embryos were discovered tiloka was much distressed at his inhumanity in killing the animal and vowed never to go hunting again in furtherance of his humanitarian vow he resolved to wear a wooden sword for the future when the king heard of this and held a parade for the purpose of examining the officer's arms tiloka's sword was as the result of his invocation of the guru changed into polished steel and he thus escaped punishment for what would otherwise have been a grave military offence one kataru the king's wayman also came from kabul when he solicited instruction from the guru he was told to use just weights and discharge his duties honestly when he returned to his office in kabul a banya or petty shopkeeper with evil and malicious intent placed in his shop a false weight which he unknowingly used the banya went to the king to lay information against kataru the king proposed to inspect the weighing apparatus and kataru hearing this prayed to the guru to protect him the guru who was in amritsar knew by his occult power of his distress at that moment a poor sikh came to the guru with a small offering of five pais the guru took the coins passed them from one hand to the other simultaneously with the king's inspection so when the king tried both scales the weights appeared correct the guru explained the meaning of his act to an inquiring sikh the king of kabul was satisfied with his inspection and kataru on paying a second visit to amritsar attested the guru's explanation in every respect one chuhar a chaudhri went to the guru for religious instruction the guru told him ever to speak the truth 
the village dignitary said it was impossible for a man in his position to avoid speaking falsehood the guru directed him to depart and keep an account of his lies and of his good acts and bring it to him at the end of every month the first month the good acts were nil and the lies many the guru obliged him to read out the account in open darbar and thus publicly confess his sins whereat he was much ashamed the second month the account showed better there was steady progress in virtue until the eighth month when no lies appeared and there was a clean sheet the guru then absolved him and granted him release from transmigration lalu balu and haridas asked the guru to tell them how they could be saved he replied banish pride worldly love and envy bear not ill-will to others so shall others bear not ill-will to you cheerfully meet and salute with both hands the guru's sikhs walk humbly and speak civilly to all when you eat share your food with others and live by honest labour by observing these instructions you shall obtain all happiness the following was the guru's instruction to a soldier who went to him for spiritual advice he who exerciseth bravery shall be fearless in the battlefield he who resolveth to conquer or die in arms and who when dying claspeth the true name to his heart shall efface the sins of many births and obtain deliverance without remembering god none shall obtain a place in the hero's heaven he who fearlessly challengeth the foe and falleth amid the clash of arms shall feel the ecstasy the yogis long for and arrive at a permanent abode of bliss many pleasures shall await him as he abideth in the realms of the brave the greatest merit of a soldier is not to show his back to the enemy a hero obtaineth for himself bliss both here and hereafter by the might of his arms if he conquer he obtaineth the sovereignty of the earth while if he die celestial happiness is his portion fight for him whose salt thou hast eaten give thy life for thy sovereign and great shall be thy fame in both worlds bai lalu and bai nihalu were very successful preachers and expounders of god's word the guru on being asked how this result was achieved replied as follows when the preacher practiseth what he preacheth his words make an impression on all people treasure them in their hearts and thus obtain salvation the tree must put forth roots before it can afford shade to the wayfarer he who readeth and preacheth and yet doeth not good acts himself shall produce no impression on others they may listen to his words but will never act on them guru arjan gave the following instructions to nanu and kalu he who liveth honestly who with good intentions readeth or listeneth to the guru's words who pondereth on their meaning who divesteth himself of evil inclinations and who devoutly repeateth the true name shall be freed from transmigration and obtain an abode in sak and but he who readeth for the sake of gain doeth evil and shall not be honoured when the snake obtaineth the light of the jewel in his head he availeth himself of it to pick up and eat insects by night 
such is the man who for gain readeth sacred texts he committeth sinful acts adultery with other men's wives and respecteth not the most excellent true name he shall receive no assistance from the guru but proceed to hell and suffer the punishment there provided for the wicked setha gobinda and bhaga residents of chaniot in the yang district of the punjab went with troubled minds to the guru to inquire whether the corn they had distributed in alms for the repose of the souls of their ancestors ever reached them the guru replied in the negative quoting in support of his decision the seventeenth slok of the asakai war the guru added that they could not know whether their ancestors were in heaven or hell so it was of no avail to make them offerings para and jetha one day visited the guru and said it was their custom to throw some of their cooked food into the fire before eating the guru denied the necessity of throwing food into the fire men need only repeat god's name waguru waguru in the time of guru arjan crowds were converted to sikhism in the punjab hindustan and all the neighbouring countries it is said that the hill rajas of kulu suket haripur and chamba visited the guru and became his followers as the raja of mandi had previously done at that time chandu shah was the emperor's diwan or financial minister he was a native of the punjab but his official duties necessitated his residence in dhili he possessed wealth learning and various accomplishments youth high caste and above all power in the land he had a young daughter seven years of age called sada kaur to whom god had given extreme beauty without the good fortune which so often accompanies inferior natural gifts one day her mother as she saw her playing said to chandu our daughter is growing to maturity we ought to search for a husband for her the turks now hold sway they practise oppression and dark deeds among which is the forcible abduction of hindu virgins it hath therefore become a practice of the hindus to marry their daughters when very young so it is our duty to provide for sada kaur and form an alliance with some respectable family chandu was of the same opinion and sending for his family priest and his barber ordered them to go and search for a suitable husband for his daughter the detailed instructions usual in such cases were duly given the priest and the barber searched in every city as far as peshawar but could find no suitable mate for sada kaur they then returned and duly informed their employer of their ill success the matter remained in abeyance for a time one of the main objects of an oriental woman's anxiety is to procure the marriage of her children she thinks and dreams of her supposed duty in this respect almost from the time of their birth chandu's wife again addressed him we must no longer keep our daughter in our house thou art all day occupied with affairs of state i can go nowhere i sit at home and think of our daughter's future the more i see her the more i sink into the pit of anxiety chandu explained that he had already done his best but failed where there was a boy of suitable age his family was not good enough and where the family was good enough the boy was not of a suitable age 
he admitted that his daughter was a thorn in his side she was too old to be put to death at the same time he could find no family equal to his own his wife replied take god's name and kill not our daughter no such dark deed could be concealed we must be humble for it is usual for the father of the bride to bow before the father of the bridegroom upon this chandu again sent his family priest and his barber with instructions as before they travelled as far as lahore but could not find a suitable bridegroom there they heard the good report of guru arjan's son in amritsar and thither they proceeded on arriving they were astonished at the regal state and retinue of the guru of whom the bard mathura had sung in this world there is no such great saint as he he assumed birth to lighten the darkness of the age millions of troubles have departed from those o mathura who through him have quaffed the nectar of the name miss not the road to him o man think not of any other god the omnipresent brahm hath in person taken his dwelling in guru arjan's heart until good fortune appeared on man's forehead he roamed and wandered long in transmigration he was drowning in the terrible ocean of this cowl age but now no regret remaineth him the main thing is this mathura that guru arjan assumed birth to save the world they who repeat his hymns shall not again suffer the pain of birth the matchmaker's admiration of har gobind and of the respect in which he and his father were held exceeded all bounds they thought of proposing the marriage to guru arjan themselves but on second thoughts decided on first consulting chandu the priest and the barber reported to chandu that they had seen the guru's son in the new city of amritsar and thought that he would be a suitable parti for sadakawa they dilated to chandu on the excellences of har gobind whose lineage they gave on the enormous respect in which his father was held and on the splendour they had witnessed in the guru's city chandu was not pleased at hearing the guru's praises and said do you think him equal to me what if he hath many followers he liveth on offerings which is an ignominious form of livelihood if the offerings come the cup is held straight if they do not it is reversed he sitteth and watcheth and even if wealth cometh his kitchen can with difficulty be supplied he hath no store of money such wealth is like a mountain stream whatever he appeareth to possess he is in reality only a beggar while i am the emperor's minister by whom millions of money are collected and millions of lawsuits decided what power hath he while on the contrary none can reverse my order moreover the guru's caste is inferior to mine o brahman i have tested thy wisdom and knowledge in this matter thou desirest to put the ornamental tile of a top story into a gutter where am i imperial financial minister and where is the guru though he may be an object of veneration to his followers i think he must have stuffed you both with sweets that you come to me and propose an alliance with his family chandu's wife who had been listening said my lord we have been searching for a husband for our daughter for the last two years and no family hath yet pleased thee 
of the boys thou hast seen none hath remained unbetrothed or unwedded at last we must wed our daughter somewhere she cannot always remain with us wherever she is married it must be into a family beneath ours thou art the greatest minister in this empire as everybody boweth before thee so doth everybody bow before the guru therefore let the matter be now concluded if our daughter enter the guru's house she shall be called the revered wife of the guru and obtain the happiness which god destined her chandu still urged his objections the guru acteth not in conformity with the customs of the khatris he shaveth not he eateth from the hands of men other than brahmans and khatris and he hath adopted a new form of religion after the husband and wife had wrangled the whole night over the matter it was at last decided that sada kaur should be given in marriage to har gobind and the marriage presents duly dispatched to amritsar it came to the ears of the sikhs of dili that chandu had used injurious expressions regarding the guru they also knew that he did not really desire the alliance but only consented in order to save himself from his wife's importunity the sikhs met to consult over the matter and it was decided to inform the guru of chandu's utterances accordingly the following letter was dispatched o true guru great king chandu is very proud he hath likened his house to a top story and the guru's to a gutter he hath called himself the head and thee the feet he styleth himself a great minister and thee a mendicant when he uttereth such insolent language beforehand what will he not do in the future his words are not only slander of thee but of guru nanak on whose throne thou sittest even if he be a rich man or a diwan what carest thou for him in the guru's house rich and poor are alike the sikhs cannot endure his insulting expressions as guru armar das hath said nanak it is wise to break with the perverse to whom worldly love is dear if thou consent to an alliance with such a haughty man thou shalt lay up for thyself enduring misery thou wantest for nothing thou art king of kings our urgent request is that thou pay no regard to the financial minister and that thou reject his alliance the messenger entrusted with this letter was ordered to speed night and day so that he might arrive before chandu's priest and barber had concluded the contract of betrothal he succeeded in doing so the guru who was a searcher of hearts and knew the future was aware that this letter sowed the seed of strife and had been dispatched to him with inconsiderate zeal but at the same time he felt obliged to accept the advice of the sikhs of dili he accordingly rejected the marriage presents telling the priest and the barber that an ornamental tile should not be put into a gutter the matchmakers astonished to hear these words repeated defended their master and remonstrated to the best of their ability but in vain the guru repeated to them what the dili sikhs had written and said i am contented with my humble lot and desire not an alliance with the great if a man's foot slip on the brink of a lofty tower he falleth to the ground a shapeless mass but if a man slip on a mat he sustaineth no injury guru nanak hath said regarding himself nanak is with those who are low-born among the lowly nay who are lowest of the low how can he rival the great the guru also quoted from one of his own hymns he who riseth high falleth into the pit death reacheth not those who remain on the ground while the priest and the barber were further remonstrating a sikh rose in the assembly and addressed the guru great king put not acid into milk 
spurn an alliance with that dog of a carar let him knock his head against his top story that consumer of wealth of the impure who revileth thee hath gone mad why demean thyself thou art king of kings what need hast thou of such an alliance the guru chid the sikh for this language and quoted from the twentieth slok of the asa kiwar nanak the mind and body of him who talketh evil are evil he is most evil and most evil is his reputation the evil person is rejected in god's court his face is spat upon the evil person is a fool and receiveth shoe-beatings as punishment wherefore said the guru it is not proper for sikhs to use bad language i am not proud the proud please not god i am his slave our honour strength trust and support are in the creator ever fear him then in full assembly uprose a native of dalla one narain das a grandson of bhai paro who had been a sikh of guru amar das putting his sheet round his neck in the manner of a lowly suppliant he said true monarch i am the slave of thy feet i have a daughter whom my wife and i have vowed to offer thy son if thou make her too the slave of thy feet i shall be very fortunate i am a poor unhonoured sikh thou art the honour of the unhonoured make thy servant happy and send me not disappointed away the guru replied if thou have love in thy heart then is thy proposal agreeable to me the seventh day of the light half of the month of magar fixed on by chandu as an auspicious date for offering the marriage presents hath not been in vain upon this narain das went off at once and purchased marriage presents in the city they were put into har gobind's lap and a saffron tilak as a symbol of the completion of the betrothal was affixed to his forehead upon this another sikh called hari chand stood up and said o true king i have also decided to give my daughter to thy son if my petition please thee i will give my daughter as a servant to har gobind and thy reputation as cherisher of the poor shall shine the brighter guru arjan also though at first unwilling to accept a second wife for his son felt he could not reject the offer of a faithful sikh and so agreed to the marriage of the young people moreover hari chand had refused all other alliances for his daughter and vowed to bestow her only on the young guru hari chand went immediately and brought the marriage presents these were placed in har gobind's lap and a patch attached to his forehead as before all this took place in the presence of chandu's priest and barber who returned sad and disappointed to their master the seventh day of the light half of the month of magh sambat sixteen sixty one was fixed for narain das's daughter's marriage practically a betrothal to har gobind narain das went to his village and made all preparations for the wedding songs expressing a hope that the bridegroom may outlive the bride were sung by the women of his household the following hymn setting forth the humility of the bride and her devotion to the bridegroom was also sung on the occasion o god thou hast no love for me thou hast so many handmaidens like me thou art an ocean and mine of jewels i know not thy worth i know not thy worth thou art very wise be gracious unto me o lord mercifully grant me wisdom to meditate on thee during the eight watches of the day o my soul be not proud become the dust of men's feet and thou shalt obtain deliverance nanak's god is over all he hath many handmaidens like me thou art the jewel of a very deep and profound sea thou art my husband i am thy bride 
in proportion as thou art very great yea more exalted than the great i am small i am nothing thou art the only one thou art wise of thyself o god if thou cast on me even for a moment thine ambrosial glance i shall survive and enjoy all delights and sweetness i the slave of thy slaves am under the protection of thy feet my soul bloometh and my body groweth young nanak's lord is contained in all things he doeth what he pleaseth thou art my pride thou art my strength my understanding intellect and skill are thy gifts what thou causest me to know i know it is he on whom the creator casteth a look of favour who knoweth and understandeth the perverse woman hath gone astray on many paths and hath been ensnared by worldly occupations she who is virtuous is pleasing to god she enjoyeth all pleasure o lord thou art nanak's support thou art nanak's pride i am a sacrifice i devote myself to thee thou art my shelter firm as a mountain i am hundreds of thousands of times a sacrifice to him who hath removed the curtain of error from before me my darkness is dispelled i have renounced sin and my soul is reconciled with the lord i have pleased the lord i care for no one my life hath been profitable and i am accepted i have become a priceless jewel of great weight the gate of happiness in this world and the next hath opened for me saith nanak i have become fearless god hath become my shelter End of section 9